Welcome to the No Laugh Track Podcast. Yes! Your name's Pete Lee, by the way. Yes. I, we haven't said that yet. Let's establish who the guest is. I am Pete Lee. Ah. Uh, yeah, I was just, I was acting all casual. Like, when you call someone, you're like, this is Pete. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, this is Pete. I actually like, uh, we're sitting on couches on the Acme stage, mm-hmm. and, um... I love this stage because I started on this stage almost 16 years ago. And um, there are times that I've gotten really drunk at the club mm-hmm. that uh, because I just, I don't know what it is about this showroom that I love. I've gone and just sat on the stage all drunk by myself. <laughs> like I just, I don't know. I don't know why I feel. Like, Someone turn the light on. Yeah. Well, I, I'll like turn the light on, like I'll turn those lights on and I'll just sort of hang out on stage. But I, um, I think it stems back to when I first started here, I was always so nervous. Um, like, you know, and now I'm fine on stage. I, f- I feel at home on this stage. But um, what I used to do is because this this stage scared me was I would get drunk and sit on it because I'm comfortable when I'm drunk. And then if I just spent time on the stage, how could I be nervous here? That's what I used to do with show. girls when I was nervous around them. <laughs> you drink or just sit on get them? Get drunk and sit on them. <laughs> No, I'm much more comfortable. That's really funny. Were you heavier back then? No. Like, you're just, no, they barely noticed. Uh, <laughs> oh, this, um, since we're on the stage, uh, that those chairs right there behind you, I'm pointing to stage right. One mm-hmm. time I got so drunk when I was here, and this is going to make me sound like I'm a huge drunk, uh, but I I'd stopped drinking in January, so I just get to tell fun stories about when it was probably January a problem. January of this year? January of this year, yeah. and. Uh, wow. But uh, one time I was here, this was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. No, it was probably nine years ago. Um, I was the I was featuring here, and I got they kept sending me Jaeger shots on stage. Yeah. I made one mention. I was like, yeah, you know, so Jaeger's great. And then it was just, they were just passing them up like it was a baton oh, sure. relay. Yeah. And uh, there was a couple right there, and they just were, you know, just nice, homely, you know, Midwestern people. And I got so drunk that when... Um, when the MC Maggie Ferris came up at the end of the night to say, "Hey, give a nice round of applause for your headliner," now give a round of applause for your feature. I heard my name and I woke up from being passed out and I came back out here and I grabbed the mic and I started <laughs> no, doing the first no, like didn't. minute of my set no. again. And the crowd was going nuts because they realized that because they had gotten me that drunk to the yeah. point where I didn't realize that. <laughs> And um, so I was supposed to drive home, and I don't like to drive drunk. And so uh, that's good. Uh, I mean, I do it, but, no, <laughs> but I don't. I actually don't like it. But the couple that was sitting right there, they offered to give me a ride home. So I got wow. a ride home from these strangers. They could have murdered me, uh, but it. You really um, took a ride home with them? Yeah, I took a ride home with them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really don't like to drunk drive. Oh, here's drunk driving story number two. Um, so I, I went to the University of Minnesota. I'm a gopher. Uh, for, go golfers. Go yeah. golfers. Oh, my God. Go golfers. <laughs> um, but uh, I this was back when they played in the Metrodome. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Andy Helmers, uh, he lives around the Tw- Twin Cities area still. But um, uh, he and I went to the game, and we just got bombed. That, uh, the Gophers were like one of the only teams in the Big Ten where they sold beer at the games. Oh, yeah. And then we went afterwards to Hubert's. Hubert's. Hubert's, yeah. We went to Hubert's, and we drank even more like Liney's Honeyweiss, and we just got trashed. And we're on the way home, and he's like, dude, you're not driving. He's like, you're not driving. Give me your keys. And I was like, I'm not giving me my keys. So we go into this parking ramp, and he's like, dude, you're getting into your car. I was like, I'm not getting into my car. I open up the trunk, and I just fall in, and I pull it shut. <laughs> what? And I went to sleep in my trunk. Oh, wait. Well, so uh, that was Saturday. 
And I wake up on Sunday morning, and there's like a church right over there where the parking ramp is free for the church people. And so I hear like, dong, dong, oh, yeah. dong. And I used to have this Pontiac Grand Am, and, uh, and I didn't think through how I was going to get out of the trunk. You yeah, know? No. But I woke up, and like if you're in a car that's been baking in the heat for that long, it's pretty damn hot in the <laughs> yes. trunk. And so I wake up, and like I just have cotton mouth. I'm like, oh. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm going to throw up. And I was like, I don't want to throw up in my trunk because you don't get that out of a trunk, right? No. So I start pulling those little levers that flip the back seats down. Oh, yeah. I'm yanking on those like it's a parachute and I need to land. <laughs> I, I, I crawl through the front seat. I crawl over the console. I open up the door and like half of my body is still in the back seat. And I'm like, Bleh! and I'm just yakking all over the place. <laughs> and I swear I'm not making this up. There was a family walking by oh. like in their church clothes. And the mom goes, or the daughter goes, Mommy, why is he doing that? Why is he so sick? And the mom goes, that's what happens when you don't go to church. Oh, no. <laughs> it was the most perfect moment. Satan, honey. It was Satan. It was Satan. <laughs> Satan and go for football. <laughs> Both of them are evil. Wow. Uh, well, you know, that's common that... In order to get through a gopher football game, especially at the Metrodome, you had to be pretty wasted. Oh, yeah, back in the days. And that was when uh, I think we had Coach Jim Wacker. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember Jim Wacker. Mm -hmm. uh, But um, he was the coach right before Glenn Mason. And he just, the guy would run the same play 17 times in a row. It was almost like he had a bat with his friends. Like, you guys, (laughs) do you want to bet me that I can't just completely (laughs) fuck up our whole season right now? Like, I'll do it. I'll totally do it. Seriously, I'm the coach. I can do it. It's no big deal. I can do it. I can do it. And he was also the one who was like uh, Ned Flanders when he answered questions in an interview. It was like, you know, googly, giggly, diggly. (laughs) That's right, neighbor. We're all happy. And hey, we might be losing games, but we're giving a hell of an effort there. But we're the golfers. Yeah, we're the golfers. For Christ's sakes. uh, We wear yellow pants. (laughs) I hope our new coach is going to be good. Are you a golfer or do you root for them? I mean, Uh, I, I did not ever go to school there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't even know if I should say this, but I sort of, I'm one of those Minnesota sports fans that I've got to a point where I got so tired of being frustrated that now mm-hmm. I cheer against some of them mm. because it's, I have a better success rate of cheering for oh, a loser. Yeah. If my team's a loser and I'm hoping they lose, I'm a winner because oh, they lose actually- a lot. Yeah, you should actually bet against. If you just, I wonder what the income level would be if you just always bet against Minnesota teams. Well, in college, I bet you would have a pretty good percentage. Yeah, the Gophers stink. I hope that this new coach is much better. I'm like depressed. My, I talked about this on the morning show this morning, but um, maybe we can go more into detail. But my wife is a Penn Stater. She went to Penn State. Oh yeah. And like you know, she had met Joe Pa. He was like a grandfather to her. And uh, you know, she didn't know Sandusky. You know, whatever. But um, so like, she's just like crying her eyes out about how oh we're only gonna win two games this year and i was like i remember when we only won two games like last year <laughs> like, like yeah. the gophers are terrible and we haven't even had a scandal no know? oh no uh they, they have a tough time against the division two or whatever it is like the north dakota state or something they yeah. play every year and it's like a shootout it'll like go down to the last play of the game yeah sdsu came in uh the jackrabbits yeah uh, from sdsu and um i every year well I, this year i took a year off from it but i do the orientation show at SDSU and so I've I've uh, done a show for every kid that's gone to SDSU in the last like five years like they I've, they have had to have me perform for them 
Uh, it's it's sort of a terrible day for them. They get their immunizations that day so that they don't get other people sick at college. Uh, they're like, don't have sex, kids. Don't drink. You know, and they're like, this is why I went to college. Yeah, like, This is why I'm away from mom and dad. Yeah, and so when they're done scaring them, I get to perform for them at the end of the day. And they're like, oh, maybe college is good. And uh, But but when, um, when all those kids, when they beat Minnesota, I was like, oh, we suck so bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It can't get much worse. The competition is, yeah, I mean, it's not an even fight. It shouldn't be. On paper, it should not be an even fight when uh, a big Big Ten school goes against uh, anything out of South Dakota. No offense, uh, South Dakota, but seriously. Yeah. yeah, I do like, I do, if you're listening to this, I have many fans and friends, uh, especially online from SDSU, and you're a great school, but you shouldn't be beating the national championship gophers from 1938. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I always, my, my wife and I went there for a Penn State game. I think it was last year or whenever, or whenever no, it was two years ago, whenever Penn State last played the gophers. And uh, she was looking around the stadium and she goes, wow, you guys have won national championships. But she's like, not since Hitler was in power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was like, basically, after Hitler, you guys sucked at football. I think they played in an empty field somewhere back then. There wasn't even a stadium. Yeah, leather helmets and yeah. they wore sweaters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> actual sweaters. Yeah, yeah actual sweaters. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But Could yeah. you imagine that? That some running back has like a little run or whatever, like a, a loose thread. <laughs> <laughs> they just pull it like yarn until he gets to the end zone. He's just in his pads. What's going on? Yeah. What... Yeah. Uh, Let's go. Let's talk about you being here at Acme. Yeah, I'm. I'm down with that. Let's do that. Yeah. How many times do you have any idea? How many times you've been uh, performing the, on this stage? How about as a headliner? Oh, um, it's been. I've been a headliner here for years. I think. I think I've been a headliner here for like seven years. Lewis headlined me before I think anybody else did, but he's very progressive in that way. There, there are so many people that become greats in comedy that he sees the talent first, and um, this room is like, it's like no other. I mean, the crowds are so well educated because he gets them when they're he gets them when they're like eighteen and you know like college students at the Acme open mic. And I mean, that's yep. it's unprecedented to have an open mic that's full every single week. Monday and, nights here at Acme. Yeah, and Monday nights at the Caught in the Act. That's where I started. Um, I I started on Nick Swardson's last night here. He was moving to New York and he didn't have any money, so they threw him a show. And they passed around the hat, and that money was what got him to New York and got him okay. to start. So I performed on that, and I was I was so nervous. In the middle of my set, I literally asked the crowd, "I go, can I go now?" I was like, "Can I leave?" Oh, like, wow. And that got a huge laugh. And then they were like, "Stay!" And I was like, "Shit, <laughs> I have to keep doing this. <laughs> do I start over? <laughs> yeah, what do I do? Like, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's got to be. I mean." maybe a thousand times on this stage. I don't know. I, it's been 16 years. And I mean, there were, there were years that I, you know, I mean, I emceed every third week or so here and, um, I featured a lot here. I've, yeah. Is that what you tell the M, the emcees and features now? Someday kid. Someday kid. Eat my dust. Pat him on the butt. Pat him on the back. I used to do this thing on stage that was like, it was just silly. Cause I'm not a very cocky guy, but, um, I used to do this thing where I'd say, Hey, you know, you guys should know, um, like at the end of my set after the crowd, was already on my side. I'd say, you know, there were three great comedians on the stage tonight, but I just hope you like me the best <laughs> and just to mess with the MC right. in the feature. <laughs> and then there's this MC here named Brooks Robinson. And we were taping the whole week. We were filming uh, stuff so I could submit for a half hour special on Comedy Central, which I actually got from that tape. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the cameras were rolling all week. Well, the next night, Brooks 
uh, I, he knew that I was eating in the bar, so he told the whole crowd, "Hey, when Pete says that, boo the shit out of him. <laughs> Just like boo him off stage, no. and don't don't be Minnesota nice, don't relent, don't anything. Uh, boo the shit, boo him off stage." And so I got booed off stage. Basically, I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna go." And so we, um, I made that into an internet video where um, it showed him setting it up because the guy had taped him doing it. Oh, okay. Showed me yeah. getting booed off stage, and so we we shot a little sketch beforehand, and then we did that. But oh, that's yeah, hilarious! It's gotten like tens of thousands of views on YouTube. It's but, still on there, obviously. Yeah, it's still up there. And, what do people search? Uh, they could search uh, "You are way funnier than that other guy." <laughs> Not really. That's what the title of the video is. You are way funnier than that other guy. Um, and I, I don't know why. I, I Well, it's a pet peeve of mine when people come to shows and then they feel like it's a competition. It's like, first of all, there's no perceived competition on the show. I mean, I guess you do want to be funnier than the guy before you. That's sort of an innate thing. But sure. Um, I mean, I'm working this week with Andy Erickson, and she's hysterical. No, like, she's I, not. No, yeah, she's, 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 she's very not, funny. <laughs> no, but I, I've, I've been sitting back there howling, watching her all week, and and just going, man, I'm so glad that I'm in such a good mood when I go up on stage because of mm-hmm. her. Um, but people like they they like to come out of the show, and you'll both be standing there, you know, maybe selling your CDs or whatever, and they they walk up to the other person, they're like, oh my god, I liked you so much better than the headliner, and I'm like, I'm right here, like <laughs> I'm right here, yeah. or. Um, I had it uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I was in Philly, and the the home of the douchebag, and I was working mm-hmm. with Greg Fitzsimmons, who I love. Oh, he's, very funny. He's a genius. Yep. I mean, he's and yeah, his podcast, Fitz Dog Radio, is amazing. And um, people were coming up to me, and they were like, they were like, bro, bro, you gotta know that other guy sucked. We loved you, and I was what like, the fuck. I was like, he's my friend. Like, I idolize him. Don't tell me he sucks, but because you're in sort of like. You're trying to be courteous to them because they're they think that they're being nice to you. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. can't just snap on them and be like, "No, fuck you! I don't want to talk to you." You have yeah. to be like, "Oh, thank you, thank you." But he's really good. But thank you. And but it, when you take that approach, they're they go even higher. They're like, "No, fucking, what was he even doing up there? <laughs> like, what was he even doing?" I'm like, "You shouldn't say that." And they're like, "No," because they're drunk and right, they don't right. know. But. Um, that's why I titled the that you should you you know you're way funnier than that other guy. Oh, that's fantastic! I do. Do you sell anything after your shows? Yeah, I sell a T-shirt that says "You look fat when you cry," <laughs> and uh, it's kind of my it's my get her done. I guess sure. it's my saying. Yeah. Um, I don't overuse it in my set. I swear, like I've been struggling on getting a new opening line. Like I don't know why. I can write bits. I can write one-liners. I can write jokes. For some reason, coming out here. I don't know what to say the first thing. So I usually just make it weird. Um, but my manager now told me that I need to get good at He's like, you've gotten good at every other aspect of comedy. You need to just learn something funny to say two seconds out of your mouth. Weird. But, um, but yeah, how did I get on that topic? I, I don't know, but that's that's interesting. Yeah, it's the well, it's weird. Um, you know, like there, there are some great opening lines that, through history that I've seen guys do. There was, there's one guy that he goes out and he just sort of stirs his coffee and then he takes his time getting on the mic, and he goes, "What? You don't start work right when you get to your job." Yeah, that's, and that's good. a great opening line. Yeah. Uh, Mike Kaplan has. Uh, he goes, "You guys look like you're in my demographic, which is people who know the word demographic." <laughs> that's a great opening yeah. line. Um, Doug Benson. Yeah. What, hey, everybody. Yeah, just, just something silly, just something really uh, silly. He says that, and people laugh. Yeah. I think it's because he does it on his podcast. I don't know. And he looks really stoned when he does it. Well, and I then, think it's then he sort of giggles. He's so out of it. Hey, 
everybody. But it's every time. Hey, everybody. <laughs> kind of looks around, laughs, and people are sucked in. There, yeah. There, I used to. Um, well, I guess when I first started, I would go up on stage and I was real high energy, and I'd be like, "Woo, woo!" And like, the, it just was so silly that people would they would laugh. But in New York, if you're not if if whatever you're doing isn't grounded, they look at you like, "Hey, asshole." Why don't you be yourself? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Because um, so, they're all themselves. Yeah. Last night I had a good opening line. I, I said, uh, I said this is fun because I was in the crowd, so I was like, I was one of you. And I'm like, and now I'm up here, so like, now I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good one. Yeah. I wrote one last night. I've been just trying to write them. Uh, something about like, uh, like thanks for clapping, uh, although it's kind of weird because that's my ringtone. I thought that was kind of funny <laughs> to have clapping as your ringtone. <laughs> But uh, so I don't know. We'll see. Silence. Let's listen to it now. Silence. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasting is, I like podcasting for, uh, especially listening to comedians, because sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's serious, but mm-hmm. it's not this pressure to, you know, to be funny all the time. Right. Um, I, I just started, can I plug my podcast? Yeah, I was just going to, go um, ahead. I was just going to ask you. Yeah, my podcast is called The Nonsense Podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, it's me and my buddy Jay Ferraro. It sounds very serious. It, it, the nonsense, yeah. Well, what we tried to do is, um, I've noticed, um, and I'm a huge fan of Mark Maron's podcast, mm-hmm. uh, the WTF podcast, but one of the things that I noticed is that comedians seem to try to go on there, and because Mark is so smart, and because he's had all these deep things in their life, they try to sort of showcase the deep, dark part of their life, and some of them just aren't deep. Like, it's okay if you're a comic and you're not fucking deep, okay? Right, right, right. This is, we're playing. We're just making people laugh. You don't have to be this deep, tortured soul. Yeah. And so I almost wanted our podcast to be almost like a uh, a response to that sort of a thing where we're just playing. Like, we're just having fun. And um, maybe it gets a little serious sometimes, but we we consciously, when it gets too serious, we try to go away from that. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And you definitely get to know jay and i in the podcast and i when we talk about serious things in our life but if we can't figure out how to make light of it and speak through our work as comedians then we don't go there like we we just we just don't do it but um uh we do it on blog talk radio and i was telling you this morning uh they started featuring us on their home page and now we're like like a hundred thousand listeners and it's insane like can you give me like 20 of those and i buy that i mean 20 20 20 people not twenty thousand. i can give you 20 of them i can i mean that's FedEx Field in Washington D.C. That that's essentially all of those seats full of listeners. I Isn't can't that amazing? Even imagine that. Yeah. And if you could sell them each a ticket for fifty bucks, I know, <laughs> I know. Well, that's the uh, one of my goals is to be able to do like a live podcast. You know, Mark Maron does that thing, and all the people show up and they're fans of his. Oh I mean, yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, Pardo's doing those. Yeah. Oh God, Pardo's funny. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy he does that thing on Conan. Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. You can do the video. You can. He does the uh, videos. The yeah. What are they called? Jimmy's something. I can't think Something of self-deprecating and yeah. snappy and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. He's um, fantastic. You had uh, you mentioned the Comedy Central special. You've done that. I've done that, yeah. One time you've got the Comedy Central Presents. One time. And, Pete Lee. Yeah, Pete Lee. That's, that's my opening joke, the Pete Lee. And, um, oh, I have a quick anecdote, and then we'll get back to yeah. that. In my normal everyday life, I forget that I've done things on TV because you write jokes and maybe you have a good day or a bad day. And you, as an artist, you you sort of always feel like kind of a shit bag. You know, you're like, you're like, oh, I suck. You're always, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I put myself in that place so that I write better, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because if I feel like I'm not doing good enough, I try harder. 
Uh, but so I walk around not thinking that anybody's ever enjoyed my work. And I was on a train coming home from Queens and I was all drunk. This was last year. And, uh, or no, I think it was the year before that, but, um, I was all drunk and there was this kind of scary gangster looking dude and he had like the teardrop tattoos mm-hmm. and it was just me and him on the train and it was late at night and I was like... Oh. And he was thinking maybe I could use another tattoo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So he gets up and just assertively like he sits down right on the bench across from me in the subway train. Just us. And Creepy. we're probably a mile away from the next subway stop, right? I'm going, all right, this is how I'm going to die. Like it was almost a relaxing moment for me. Like I know now. This is how it ends. Should I text someone or just take it? <laughs> yeah, should I just take this? And uh, and so he finally, he just like is sitting there staring at me and just like, you know, inquisitively. And I'm like, what is happening? And he leans over and he goes, Pete Lee. And Get I was like, here. oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I thought you were going to kill me. And he goes, that's what I thought you thought. And it was kind of fun. Holy but, shit. Uh, he said that uh, he was actually in jail and he watched my special. Cause Get out of here. He said that they had cable. And he goes, um, he goes, I really liked you. He goes, some of the boys really liked you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. <clears throat> I should never end up in jail because I'm pretty. But, they do call you the baby face of comedy, don't they? Yeah, I guess. I'm, um, I'm getting a few gray hairs every once in a while. I got to do the just for men. But, sure. Um, yeah, I can't get away from this face. But yeah, I do, um, the Comedy Central special, they air it all the time because um, they've done three seasons, I believe, of specials in HD. Maybe there's four. But they've been sort of selecting a little bit edgier comics that are doing a lot more dirty material. So there, there's only like five specials over the last you know four seasons, mine included, that are clean and in HD that they can oh, run. Lucky you, lucky me. So they run it all the time. And uh, when I do college shows, I mean, I'll fill up theaters at a college. Granted, they're paying a dollar to get in, you know, uh, but I'll fill up a theater. Where, you know, and then I go back home to New York and I'm doing the check drop spot at the, you know, at the comic strip. Yeah. And so it's, it's such a weird life that I lead that, you know, I have enough following on the road that I can fill up a theater, but I can go to Walmart afterwards and no one knows who the hell I am. I could crazy? shoplift and nobody would be like, that's Pete Lee. Like, it's great. <laughs> you could be shoplifting a DVD of, with you on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then the, t- the two TV shows that I'm on are on the NFL Network and then on Fuse. And I think collectively that's channel like 781 and then 2082. <laughs> so like nobody recognizes me from that. Like I'm almost living the perfect life right now. Fuse, you said, is one of them, right? Fuse, yeah. That's like the MTV. It's Fuse is essentially what MTV used to be. Uh, it's not. It's owned by Madison Square Garden. So when I get my paychecks, I get paid by a building. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of fun. MSG, MSG, in the yeah. corner, very cool. MSG, but yeah. So I, I get to do that, and I get to go in and play TV studio there, and. Um, I'm a writer and a cast member on the show. So, And what is this one? What is that show? It's called Video on Trial. We just pop over music videos and we make fun of it. So, awesome. Uh, like, well, um, I'll give you an example. Like, There was a Britney Spears video where she was dating a bad boy. You know, She's still stuck like she's 18 trying not to be this little girl. Right. Even though she's like 49 or whatever right. she is. A grandmother. Um, yeah, this guy like smacks her face and like grabs it, and I pop over it and I go, Brittany, why do you always date bad boys? They're not like music. You can't just fix them with auto tune. <laughs> you know, so the, it's like it's stuff like that where yeah. it's just, there's a cast of eight of us that pops over and we make. Comments. And you write on that too. The writing is the hard part. The you know because 
for the last uh, series of episodes, we we shoot them in blocks, and I had to write 500 jokes. And Jesus. like, I remember a point in my career, like for the Acme Open Mic, Lewis used to tell me that if I wrote three new jokes a week, that I that he would keep putting me on in like a good spot in the order, and just in general. So I was like stressing out trying to write three jokes a week, and in one week I had to write 500, and it was. It, it turned my brain inside and out. Like I was dreaming, thinking of jokes, and waking up, going, "I got to write that down." Yeah. And, oh yeah. Um, and these are, I mean, these are just making fun of artists. And it's easier to write a joke about someone else than yeah. it is to write it about you. Yeah. Because when you write a joke about you, you have to introduce your flaw, and then you have to do a joke about it. But like with, let's say we're making fun of like Lady Gaga, we all know the. the the big points about her mm-hmm. maybe a guy mm-hmm. uh weirdo uh her fashion is messed up right so like there are all those things that are built in that if you reference it people you go, can skip that part yeah, yeah you get to skip a step yeah. so um but so writing the 500 jokes for that is easier than writing 500 jokes for myself but it still was an arduous process is that yeah. show weekly then it's weekly um we uh the time slot they put us out in to start out with was midnight on Thursdays. And I'm like, what a great time slot. That's <laughs> such a way to set us up to fail, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, our lead-in was Hoppus on Music. Mark Hoppus from Blink-182 oh, yeah, right. has a... It's actually a really good show. I've seen all that. I've seen. Yeah. that. The, but we, um, in the ratings, uh, and I don't know if I should be saying this, but uh, uh, in the ratings, uh, we outdraw him. So he's our lead-in, and then we outdo him in the ratings and we were on at midnight whereas he is on at 11 30 so they started playing us during the day because we could play the show during the day and then also uh during prime time and the show is just kicking ass because it, it's like a no-brainer people love music videos and they also love it when you slash when people love it when you trash celebrities that they like i don't know what it, yeah. what it is in our culture but we love when the court jester makes fun of the king you know the mm-hmm. celebrities are our our royalty and um so the show has been just kicking ass in the ratings and they haven't put a dollar into promotions for it. So, uh, this latest season that we just did, um, there's talk that they're going to do like bus ads in New York with Seriously? our faces on it. I'm like, Oh, kick ass is that? Yeah. Like, that's really cool. It'd be so cool. Um, but you know, fingers crossed that that happens and they're going to put us in a better time slot, but, and then the NFL network, you're doing something for them. Yeah, the show, uh, it's called Top Tens. And that that show is less work because I know the um, producer of it. And he basically says, here are the topics. If you have anything that you write that's just gold, um, you know, come in and we'll shoot it. Um, are you a big NFL football fan in general? Gigantic. Yeah, yeah I, I watch like three loops of Sports Center uh, every day. I DVR uh, NFL Live. Um, I'm a, a huge NFL fan, and um, it's weird because my whole act is very self-deprecating about how I'm not the toughest guy in the world. Right. Um, but there, there are a couple things. I mean, first of all, my dad was an interior decorator. Um, he, you know, he left our family to go out to California and decorate and, and design and whatever. Uh, and then I grew up with a single mom, so like I never really had a strong male presence. Um, so I definitely have all of that in me. I was a pro skateboarder growing up, so like I never had ball sports sort of in my brain. Right. Um, uh, you know, I I love hair gel, and you know, like I'm. <laughs> I'm like, my wife is like, you take longer than me to get ready. Do you have a lot of shoes? I do. Oh, my God. And I have a I have a 500 square foot apartment in New York with my wife. And she's like, you have more shoes than me. There's something wrong yeah. here. Uh-huh. And I, I go shopping to make myself feel better when I'm sad. <laughs> like, oh, no. So, like, I have all these, all these feminine characteristics. But 
On the other side of the coin, I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. Um, I, I wasn't was, laughing at you, by the way. No, no, no. It's super no, cool no. that you shop a lot. I kickboxed for years. Um, I was the Midwest uh, black belt champion. Um, and, like, so, like, I can fight, like, it, but, it, like, I would, I don't know, like, I would probably kick someone's ass, and then I'd be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm just obsessed with sports. I think that when you're not something, like, when you're not – an amazing athlete you're just obsessed with people that are uh maybe i don't know that's kind of why i'm that way but i hmm. i oh i love sports i i'm and that's why i started doing a web show called unsportsmanlike conduct and then that got turned into the show called after further review on the nfl network and then the the nfl brass the the note that they gave us to turn it down uh, ultimately uh was we do not want to build a brand as the nfl and erode it with humor and yeah and so the the show died well now um they have new bosses so we basically repitched the show to them um different name yeah it wasn't me that pitched the show to them actually i can't take credit for this round or anything like that but it was um uh it was my friend jason weber he pitched the show it's called top tens they have like serious sports casters and then they also have uh you know a few comedians chipping in like lewis black is in it and jim norton's in it oh yeah um so it's it's the serious with the funny and it's it's like trail mix it's got some m&ms in there i like m&ms it's got some raisins but it's also got some salty nuts yeah i don't don't like raisins as much as i like m&ms yeah the m&ms kick ass in there it's like i don't like pete lee as much no as much as Jim Norton or Jim Norton Lewis well, Black. No. You if somebody likes me better than Jim Norton and Lewis Black, I I guess I mean they're right. But no, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> no, no, you're yeah, Lewis Black is he was the first person that I ever uh worked with professionally here. Oh really? Um yeah, I guess uh that'd be a, a good story. So when the week that I worked here, um Lewis Black was working here and he had just like really blown up on the Daily Show. Sure. And, um and he was sort of honoring all his club dates before he started doing theater yeah, dates. Yeah. And, um, and he took me to dinner and he was, and I think he said like, Hey, yeah, Lewis wanted me to give you some tips and pointers. And, um, and so he takes me to dinner and he's like, listen, he's like, you're, you know, you, you got some talent, but he's like, just know that it's not going to happen like this year. He's like, it's not going to happen five years from now. It's not like, you're not going to become famous for a long time. He's like, you got to love this. And he goes, I'm 52 years old. He goes, I've been doing this since I was 18. Uh, he goes, if you average out what I've made over my career, even though I'm a millionaire millionaire now, I would make like $2.15 an hour. But he's like, I wouldn't go back and trade it for anything. Yeah. And um, But he just told me, he's like, he goes, people are going to tell you once you get out of your 20s that you're done. And But he goes, just know that if you just keep doing this, you're going to find success. Uh, I got um, I was on a radio show a terrestrial radio show. Well, it's the Bob and Tom show. I was on that. Sure. And Tom Selleck called in. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, can I ask you a question? I'm like, I'm like, you, I'm like, you were like successful since you were 18. I'm like, I'm like, what is what was that like? And he goes, well, that's a misconception. He goes, I did a shampoo commercial when I was 18. And then he goes, I spent from 18 until 35 doing nothing. You know, like I, he, he was on like a soap opera for a little while or okay. something. He had a, like a stint. He goes, I struggled. He goes, I thought my career was over. And then when I was 35, I got Magnum PI. He goes, back then it took a year uh, for the show to air once it was made because it just film was so slow. And he goes, so I was 36 years old and everybody said that I was an overnight success. He's like, I'd been doing it for 18 years. Yeah, you never know, I suppose. So he was like, don't, you know, he kind of said the same thing that Lewis Black 
said, don't give up. This is, it's not about age anymore. He also said, grow a mustache. Yeah. Grow a sweet mustache. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm missing. Maybe my career would take off if I grew a sweet porn stash. Have you stash. ever tried it? I, everyone's, this is, I, all right. When you say, have I ever tried it? I will answer you by saying every time I grow out like a, like a, like a long scruff, at least until my wife comes home from work, I keep the mustache part of it just to piss her off. Yeah. And then like, maybe we'll go out to eat dinner and people will be looking at me like that guy's got a weird mustache. And then I shave it off for her that night, but I do it just long enough to passive aggressively piss her off. I, uh, I did that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's great. Yeah. I would love a stash. Yeah, I would get some time off from whatever job and be like, "Fuck, I'm not shaving." I don't, you know, I've radio. I don't, I don't. Uh, it's a it's a ball cap and uh, whatever clothes at the top of the heap when I get dressed in the morning. What you time know? do you have to wake up in the morning? I wake up uh, just a little before we start. At a little after five thirty, I get up a little before five. Wow! I have a uh, ten minute drive, mm-hmm. and uh, I do all my prep work the night before. So it's drive in, get a cup of coffee, and let's go. Oh, that's great. So you're not like one of those guys that it's like, I got to get up at two in the morning to do show prep. No, 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 Mm -hmm. no. But I stay up later than I should. What is your night before? What? Like if you guys have a bunch of good guests coming on, what's your show prep for it? Like, are you the one that does the prep for the interviews and all that kind of stuff? Um, now I'm interviewing you. I'm interviewing yeah, you don't know. That stuff's pretty much provided. Like today we had you on the show. We had a guest named Pete Lee. Yes. And uh, I forwarded along an email to the to our host mm-hmm. to tom uh with basically it was just your bio that's posted on acme's website so that was the extent of that all right uh so there's really not involved in that a lot of my prep is getting uh scouring the internet for stories and i have you know sources in all these cities across the united states that get no i'm kidding but Do uh, they, yeah i've always wondered how that works is like like i i never realized for a long time how talented the peop- the radio hosts were that I would go on with regularly. I just thought like, hey, that went well, and I don't know how it went well, but it was really them doing it and them them making me look good and stuff. And now that I do a podcast for an hour a week, I'm like, how do you guys do twenty hours a week? <laughs> like, I don't understand that. I don't even know how people do that. Yeah, uh, throw a couple of musics in, a couple songs, songs in an hour to <laughs> take a break. And are the songs planned, or is it like we've run out of shit to talk about? No, they're all they're play at the same time okay. every day. No, it's uh, yeah, you know, you get uh, the, the night before. I have an idea of you know, I don't have like a recipe of like this story's going to go here and this and mm-hmm. this, this. You just you know, I maybe I suck really bad at it. Those people are now shaking their heads at their freaking uh, MP3 players, going, "Yes, I guarantee awful. you don't suck." But uh, you know, you try to mix in like here. It's you know local national stories uh you know not really too much political stuff and then um you just try to get a good mix of it and then then you'll have a guest here and there and i worked at uh the u of m i was a parking attendant there and every morning i would listen to every every minute of the show like i would the kq show and uh yeah that like got me through the mornings. Well, I shouldn't say that I listened to every minute of it because I would listen for a while. And then uh, I worked over at something called the West Bank office building uh-huh. and there was nobody there. Like I, I started work at five. Nobody came in or out at all. And then um, I don't know if this still happens, but there was some large percentage of the sex changes in the United States happened. Uh, at least the consultations for it, like the therapy sessions that you legally have to go through or whatever were in that building. And okay. so there was this like cross dresser guy <laughs> that he he had a, a white van like total like total rape van yeah. 
and uh, and it had a airbrush tiger on the side of it, like wow. Oh, yeah, and, sounds, um, this sounds really. This guy sounds really cool. He sounds very centered and grounded, right? Yeah. And um, so he would come out, and I remember I was, you know, I'm from Janesville, Wisconsin. Like we, I think we had, and I'm not kidding, I think we had. 20 black people in our town when i grew up like we i didn't meet a gay guy till i was in college you know like um uh you know like we had two jewish families in town you know so like the diversity was not that great so i um i fell asleep on my cash register i'd flip the drawer open and uh and i would just like sleep on it yeah i would even bring like a little pillow and i'd just sleep on it and i wake up to this like horn and I turn, and it's the first, like, tranny that I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's clearly a dude because he's got stubble and stuff, yeah. but he's got, like, fake boobs and, like, a low-cut dress and, you know, and, like, a wig on and stuff. And in my head, uh, you know, the Minnesota nice was like, don't let him know that you're really fucking freaked out right now. So I was like, oh, hi, how are you? <laughs> and um, I got to know this guy over, you know, the years or not the years, but like, it was like a, a couple days in a row that this happened. And he was like, you know, like, Hey daddy, I'm doing therapy and I'll be going here for the next year. So I made a deal with him <laughs> that if he woke me up every day, I would just let him out for free. Oh, so I'd flip the gate switch and be like, how did that happen? <laughs> um, so I'd get, to, I'd get like, a, cause he was always the first person out cause he was the first appointment. Yeah. And so I would get an extra like two, three hours of sleep every morning. And then, you know, after, after I would wake up, then I'd listen to the rest of the show. Uh, so the, so I'd be woken up by a tranny, and then I would listen to the KQ Morning Show. Pinch me. Am I dreaming? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I, like, and it was federally subsidized, so the, gov- the federal government paid half of our things because it was a student job. Oh, right. And so uh, I got paid like $13 an hour. What? And then when I got done with that job... Uh, well, first of all, parking services hired me full time after college, and I was like, "Sweet, I get I get eight hours a day where I have no schoolwork, and I just get to write jokes for eight hours a day. This is perfect, perfect yeah. job." And then I got a job at, at an ad agency because my uh, degree was in journalism, advertising, and web design, and I got a, a web job at an ad agency. And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to be making twenty seven thousand dollars a year!" Like I was freaking out. Like, oh, I bought a car. <laughs> like I was like, "Yeah, I bought a Grand Am." And um, and I realized after I crunched the numbers that I was like, "Wait, I'm like, I'm making fifty cents less an hour doing really hard work than I would have as a parking attendant." Yeah, like, this is crazy. <laughs> Are you still driving that car? No. Oh, I guess this is a good story too. Um, uh. I had that car, I moved to New York and I just basically kept that car at my mom's house. So when I would fly in to do like road gigs around the Midwest, I'd fly into O'Hare, take the Van Gelder bus up to Janesville, I'd pick up my car and I'd drive it all the way around and then I'd drop it back off, fly it back out. So I was doing a gig in Indianapolis and I wanted to, I just wanted to drive after the gig. Sometimes after gigs, I'm like, I'm done with this town, I want to go. So I'm driving in a rainstorm in Chicago and I'm going around this corner. I probably was going a little bit too fast. And uh, my rear, I had like bald tires too. And my rear, I was hydroplaning and my rear passenger side tire blows. Well, like when a tire does that, it sort of lifts the car up a little bit, you know, when it blows. Yeah. And, um, and so it lifted me up and it spun me around. And uh, they have the subway tracks in the middle of the, uh, the highway. Of the highway. Yeah. So I just go, I Dale Earnhardt like right into that and my car's spinning all the windows shattered Holy in the car shit. the impact was so hard that the like and we we're i was spinning and whatever and um 
and it's raining. And the only thing that didn't shatter completely was the windshield. It like kind of spider webbed a little bit. Right. Well, it's different glass. Yeah. And I all I could think was I got I have to be dead. Like I I just have to be. There was like glass flying through like the matrix in slow motion across <laughs> my face. And so uh, I climb up. I grab my backpack. Uh, I have my laptop on it or in it. Your weed. Uh, my yeah, my weed. No, I, I don't think I smoked at that point in my life. But um, but that stuff is great. But uh, <laughs> I had gotten paid in cash from the comedy club, so I had like a thousand dollars, which at that time was the world to me. Yeah. And um, and so anyway, oh, Josh is going to take pictures. I got to sit up so that my double chin isn't here. <laughs> um, am I pitting out? Am I pitting out? <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> anyway. See now I'm all self conscious. I need to. I need, uh, Let's go back. What were you saying 20 minutes ago? I'm super comfortable with the uh, TV. And super the, uh, comfortable on stage. Uh, uh, this stage is just like I, it's like no, my like, home. It's no big deal. See, I always have a fat chin on camera. I have like I, I do like. Yeah, do you want go. it to get a picture of this? Um, I do a joke on stage about how I have like an uncircumcised face. <laughs> I have no idea why I have so. Much. I have like I'm a skinny guy. I have abs and I have like a like I have chin fat. I have. I'm not even kidding you. Like it's it's like a genetic thing in my family that this is like the first thing to go. So I bought. I I saw an infomercial and I, Josh, were those pictures good? Were they good? Can we do some staged ones afterwards if they weren't good? Okay. He's like you're such a girl. Josh is an actual man, and I'm asking girl questions. <laughs> Like, right? I should have... Can I see it? Yeah. Can I see it right now? Delete those right now. Delete that. That makes my face look fat. But uh, I saw an infomercial for a women's... Uh, it was it was called a ladies' chin strengthener. I know what that is, yeah. And it, it basically is this thing that it connects it like your, uh, where your collarbones come together, and it, it puts this little plate on your chest, and then you... It's like, a, like an ab cruncher, but for <laughs> yeah. your chin, and it strengthens this muscle, and... It really works, but it comes with a DVD, and the DVD says, Hey, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing that it says. Are you ready to sculpt that face? And uh, I still... Are you ready to attract the right kind of man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. But it works. The product actually works. But Well, we were talking about my car crash. Yeah. So, uh, so I climb up there and I call my then girlfriend, now wife. And I said to her, I go, I was like, can you hear me? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm not dead. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I was just in a car crash and it's pouring rain and my cell phone's probably going to die, you know, cause I'm in the rain. And, uh, so then, um, my car was still in like the middle of the freeway cause it bounced and then it went back and I was just like, I'm out of here. Cause they always say if you're, if you're in a stalled car, you're going to get hit. So yeah. I was like, I'm out of here. there. Yeah. So then the the cop comes and he yells at me, why'd you leave your car in the middle of the road? I'm like, it wouldn't start. He's like, yeah, but that's for 10 minutes. After 10 minutes, it starts. I'm like, I don't fucking know that. I don't crash my car all the time. So then the tow truck comes and we are right by Caprini Green, uh, which is like the Compton of Chicago. Chicago. Oh, yeah. So they tow me into Caprini Green. So I'm sitting there and they just left me there until another cop could come and, um, or like the Hoosier, or not the Hoosier helper, like the the, the IDOT, the Illinois DOT people could come and help me change the tire or whatever that blew. And my car looks like something from like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Like it's it's ruined. Like no bumpers, no whatever. It's just got a windshield. And so the the guy came and he changed the tire. He's like, well, do you think you can get where you're going? And I'm like, I don't know if it drives. He's like, well, try it. So I drove this car from Chicago to Janesville, Wisconsin, which is like a two-hour drive. And I get home and I, it was so cold in the car that I'd taken all my merch. I'd taken my T-shirts and just piled them all over myself so that I could drive home on essentially a motorcycle in the rain. <laughs> And I get home and like I was bleeding a little bit from the glass that had cut my face and whatever. So uh, I I walk 
uh, through my garage and I just, I was dazed. I might've had a concussion. I don't know. Probably. Um, but I was dazed and I just, I just got out of the car. I didn't, and the t-shirts just sort of fell off of me as I walked into the house. I, my car was still running when my mom got home from her factory job and she comes in and she just finds me face down on my bed, my childhood twin bed, uh, face bleeding all over the, the bed with like t-shirts sort of half on me and like a, a trail <laughs> yeah. of like breadcrumbs or what, or t-shirts. And she was like, what happened? Chicky. My mom calls me Chicky. And I was like, I was in a crash. Let me sleep. Um, but then I, 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 apparently I totaled the car, even though it drove, oh, the, yeah. the frame oh, sure. was bent. Oh yeah. And so, uh, I got something like $6,000, like the, uh, my insurance agent was amazing and he, he gave me, uh, like $6,000 and I was at the point of poverty that I was going to have to move home from New York if that wouldn't have happened. So, oh, sure. So that car crash. blessing. Yeah. That car crash let me stay in New York city. Oh, can I tell a funny story about my brother? Yep, and then I want to ask you a question about Janesville. Okay. Go ahead. So my brother has two daughters, and he had his first daughter when he was 19 years old. And uh, and his other daughter is, I, I think she's like 9 or 10. But um, he, um, maybe I shouldn't tell this, but whatever. Um, so we went to a strip club for my bachelor party, and this was the first time in my brother's life. He, I think he was like, I've been married for two years, so he was 36. And so 36 years old, he had never been in a strip club. And he comes over to me, he's all drunk. And he goes, you know, Pete, he goes, I told myself that I'd never go to a strip club. He goes, because I, I felt like if I went to these places that, you know, maybe my daughters would end up working here or something like that. Uh-huh. But he goes, now that I'm here, I realize that neither of my girls have the body for this kind of thing. <laughs> And it was the funniest thing in the world. And in in my niece's defense, like they're both adorable and cute and skinny and all that kind of stuff. So he was fucking around, you know, like he just he had thought of a joke that he wanted to say. But it was one of the funniest things. I've I I laughed my ass off. I was could have been happier in that moment. That's awesome. They're just not strong enough legs. Yeah. They didn't up falling down too much. Oh. All right, one more thing about that. So this dancer um, you know how they pull you up on stage and like like they humiliate you on the birthday people, yeah, and getting and, uh, the, uh, the yeah. guys that are engaged and whatnot. Sure. So they, I didn't get humiliated, but this dancer pulled me up, and she was like the headliner, like they had flown her in, and she was like a little bit older, you know, like so uh, she was wearing a knee brace. I'm not even kidding you. She was wearing a knee brace as nice. a stripper, nice. and I still probably would have done her, you know, like if I was single. But anyway, so she, her whole thing was like acrobatics, like she did a lot of cool pole tricks and stuff. Well, so she takes me up on stage and she lays me down and she makes me put a $10 bill uh, sideways in my mouth. So it's sticking up straight. Right. And uh, and I'm like, what in the hell is going to happen here? And she starts doing all these handstands. And then she tells me, she's like, flex your stomach muscles. And she's maybe like 100 pounds, you know, soaking wet. And she, like pommel horse wise, like she puts her hands on my rib cage and she does a handstand. And then she bends her vagina down picks up the dollar out like like with her like yeah with her gripper yeah with her gripper she or she picks up the ten dollars uh goes into a handstand spreads her legs midair and then queefs the dollar or queefs the ten dollar bill and it just goes down like ticker tape in like a hero's parade 
And I, I'm not kidding you. I reached down in my pocket and I was like, "Here's twenty dollars." That was the most amazing thing that I've ever seen in my life. No, do that again with a quarter. Yeah, that was insane. That was insane. So. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's like we. Uh, this is uh this is the new home for all the good stripper stories. And uh, oh, there been a oh, lot. Yeah, of good there's been some stories? other strip club stories here. So uh, I'm gonna have to keep this going. Who's my next female guest? I want to <laughs> see if we can get one out of her. Whoever that is. Yeah, whoever that. My wife and I go to the strip clubs not because we're weird swinger people, because uh, Sapphire's formerly Scores in New York City is less than a block away from our house, and so they they wedge these cards for one free drink. Uh, and free admission so you can go over there and because my wife likes the booze so much and i don't even drink that's two free drinks for her if she can just sit in a women's locker room essentially yeah yeah and so i go over there with her and i sit there and i see boobs and she gets her two free drinks and they make them strong yeah and uh because the stronger the drinks are the more people will whip out their money open up their wallet yeah and uh yeah so it's it's hilarious theory oh that's awesome yeah i want to ask you uh one thing because i have a buddy uh we could talk about this after the show because I think you know him somewhat. Uh, but he's from Janesville, and I remember him telling me about four or five years ago how amazed he was and, and happy that he didn't end up working at the, the GM plant. Yes, the GM plant. Uh, how did it, you not get stuck working at the GM plant? Is it plant? Noah? Noah yes. Lampson? Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, God. I will. First of all, it was sort of a blessing that the Badgers won the Rose Bowl in 94 because I went off to college in 95 and I didn't get into UW-Madison, but that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to be a Badger and then I was going to, you know, get a job back in Janesville and whatever. Uh, But I almost got a job at the GM plant, no kidding, so that I could pay for school. I was going to go to UW-Rock County. Mm-hmm. And if I would have gotten a job at that plant, I mean, those guys were making a hundred grand a year because the union was yeah. you know, oh, yeah. screwing the, uh, I mean, and I'm not like a big Scott Walker fan. I'm not like an anti-union guy, uh, but that particular union bled that they they were ble- bleeding GM dry, you know, like they were almost making nothing off of those Suburbans mm-hmm. that they were making. And the guy, my uh, ex-girlfriend's dad drove a forklift and he made over a hundred grand a year. Yeah. That shouldn't happen. Like it just. It, no. And from what Noah, mm-hmm. our mutual friend, is, uh, would, would tell me is that uh, you want to get that job. Like everybody in town, you leave town if you don't get that job. Yeah. And there are so many people there now that I'm friends with that. Because uh, GM gave them this insane severance package. It was like a three-year deal where they were, it was like a tiered amount of money that it was less and less. And even if they got a job, they still got to have this money. Well, that's like sort of starting to run out now. And these guys are still at the bar like, shots on me. And I'm like, you do realize that unless you plan on killing yourself next year, you're going to have to get a job. And you have zero skills that aren't just doing that one skill yeah. that you <laughs> had at the gym. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm... I, I have much respect for a lot of my friends that did work there because they are actually good people. I'm just pointing out, you know, some of the assholes that I know. Right, right, right. Of course. But yeah, it's, I'm so, I mean, I couldn't even imagine what my life would be now if I wouldn't, if I, if I wouldn't have gone to the University of Minnesota, uh, I wouldn't have met the the roommate that made me start writing. I wouldn't have met Lewis at Acme. And even if I would have started comedy in Madison, I probably would be a shitbag comic that did it for a while to get laid, and then now I'm have a job in insurance or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I thank God that I didn't get that job, and thank God that I didn't get into Madison. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap things up here. Yeah. You want to say uh, you have your podcast? Where people find that? Uh, people can go to thenonsensepodcast.com. 
for that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Pete Lee Tweets. Uh, go to my website, PeteLee.net. Uh, you can find all the stuff, the listings of when my TV show's on. I also have a really great YouTube show called Pete Lee's Internet Freak Show. Uh, I make fun of uh, uh, YouTube videos, but I also remix them, and then I make my own original remixes. The one that I'm cutting together right now, uh, I go. Up, my cat makes this noise when you wake her up. Mm-hmm. The, she goes like... Burr! And, um, like you touch her back and it goes, yeah. and so, um, I, but it's always like a different tone. Like sometimes it's and other times it's like, and so, um, I'm, I'm doing a project over time where I tape her and I mic her up and I let her fall asleep and I do that. And I'm going to do the Imperial March from Star Wars. So it'll be like, uh, that's my next release for the web show, but it's taking a while, but I just basically do. I do whatever type of fucked up thing I can think of that would be a fun internet video. Pete, thank you. Thank you for having this me. Has this been, was awesome. Yeah, I made a lot of fun. Next week is Kostaki Economopolis.